if we're not careful, we're just looking at what our best educational options are. We're not looking at what is the best discipleship option for our children in regards to how they're brought up. And I think homeschooling, as you know, goes so far beyond just the school books and the quote-unquote classroom. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades and almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler. This podcast is devoted to encouraging you in your homeschool journey through conversations with amazing homeschool leaders and advocates. I wanted to remind you to please subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That may be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a review and rating, especially on Apple Podcast. If this show has helped you on your homeschool journey, it really helps the podcast out and we sure do appreciate it. Also, we are now on YouTube, so if video is your style, please like and subscribe to the Zantyler Podcast on YouTube. And be sure to go to the website, zantyler.com. You can find all my social handles there for the show, like Facebook and Instagram. You can also send me a message. So now with all of that out of the way, let me introduce you to my guest. I'm happy to welcome Isaac Crockett to the podcast today. Isaac and Jill met their first week of college in the fall of 2000 and were married after graduating in 2004. They homeschool their three children, Levi, Kate, and Benjamin. Isaac has a master's degree in pastoral studies and has done postgraduate studies in the field of family therapy at Evangelical Seminary and social work at Drexel University College of Medicine. Isaac works with Stand in the Gap Ministries and the American Pastors Network. Isaac, thank you so much for being here today. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you through Stand in the Gap Ministries and also through a conference we were together last year in Greenville. So I'm a great admirer of you and your family. Well, thank you so much. It's it's a pleasure to be on this and uh, always speaking with like-minded people is is exciting to you know get the truth out to, to all those who are interested. When we were in Greenville last year, you told me the most fascinating story um, that starts with your great-grandparents and moves to your grandparents um, during World War II. I really want to start by you telling us this story. Joe and I both have dads who are World War II vets, and Mm -hmm. so that whole time period is just real precious to us in terms of the things that happen worldwide for protecting and promoting freedom. So if you don't mind, tell us the story. So uh, my my mother grew up in Holland. Um, her mother is from Switzerland. The Lord did an amazing work in her life to get her in the right place to, to accept Christ as Savior. And then her dad is Dutch, and so they, they grew up in Holland before coming to the States. And uh, we kind of, we, we would call my grandfather Opa, 
and was kind of off limits to talk to him about things about the war until one of my brothers was in middle school and all of a sudden Opa started to open up <laughs> about things and then he ended up writing his memoirs and things and um, it was very interesting. He's always been a godly influence in my life, but to hear how the Lord got a hold of his heart and a hold of his life, I, I knew that he uh, was in the Dutch underground. I didn't know a lot of it until he started opening up when about the time I was going into middle school. And uh, he explained to me, and he's written it in his memoirs too, but his father was, um, they grew up in Friesland, Holland, a part where it's kind of uh, a lot of them work on boats, do a lot of fishing, uh, a very quaint part of the north side of Holland. And his his father was involved as a sailor in some sort of wartime uh, issues. I don't remember if it was World War One or even skirmishes leading up to World War One. And uh, had been a professing Christian, but after that, I think if you know you were to try to diagnose, he probably had PTSD and other depression and things like that, maybe, and was just never the same, and uh, had difficulties after that. Well, he 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 began saying, you know what? I don't believe there can be a God. The things I've seen uh, that humans have done to each other, there cannot be a God to allow that. So he became, you know, an agnostic. He also became anti-authoritarian. He considered himself an anarchist. So you had that going on on the one hand. On the other hand was a very godly mother, my, my great-grandmother, who stayed faithful to the Lord through all that. Then Nazis take over. Third Reich is you know infiltrating everything. And my grandfather, in order to escape, it was more than just a draft. They would take you and just put you wherever they wanted. Um, he had to go into hiding, and that's how he got involved with the, the Dutch underground. Um and that's and so where this he is the Dutch underground resistance that was actually fighting against the Nazis and the Nazi takeover. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so in that resistance, he he got to know a lot of Jewish families because they were being hidden just like he was. And then he ended up actively uh, taking part in resistant op- resistance operations, kind of guerrilla warfare kind of stuff. Um, and the other part, though, were the people in charge of hiding them. And it was by and large very godly people in Holland and uh, and they they were true to the Lord even though you know their government had fallen and their queen had to escape in exile and so he he struggled with thoughts about eternity on a regular daily basis knowing that he at any moment could get caught some of his close friends many most of his friends were killed or taken away to camps and uh, and so um, as he was thinking about this, Lord is working on his life, his mother, you know, on this side saying, you need to, you know, Garrett, you need to trust Christ. You need to give your life to him. The other side is dad saying, that's a bunch of rubbish. Um, he went to a public execution of 10 young medical students who refused to join the Third Reich. And, and they wanted to make Christian it, students. These were students who, yes, Christian young men who said, we will not do that because we cannot deny Christ. And they said, you will do it. And so they thought if they put him in front of a public uh, you know, square like that, they'll, they'll cave and we'll get the upper hand or we'll kill them and we'll show everybody, you better fear us, you better do what we say. So blindfolded, they have these young men in front of a firing squad in, in, a, in a square there in the village. My grandfather and many others from the Dutch resistance is just the general public turned out, as we w- would imagine. And uh, their last words, they were given a chance to say their last words, blindfolded, they grabbed hands, must have planted ahead of time, and began singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which, of course, is a, a German song that the Germans are very proud of. Right, and uh, right. they said the, the commander that day was young, had never 
had something like that happen to him. Yes, uh, you know, yes. Didn't expect it. <laughs> right, uh, right. So what do you do? You know, <laughs> these guys are supposed to be bowing in submission and defiance. They're singing a song that he knows the end to, but at the same time is a, a famous German song. So as they got to the last part of the song, he yelled over their voices, ready, aim, fire. And as they were singing out, the body they may kill, God's word abideth still. They were they were cut down, their lives were taken. But many in the crowd spoke up and finished the song even louder. And that that pierced my grandfather's heart. And he said, I, I want to die like they did. I, I don't want, you know, this, you know, agnostic, atheistic stuff that my dad is pushing. And so that's when he gave his heart to the Lord and, and the Lord continued to work in him to disciple him and to get him where he wanted him. Um, but yeah, it was it's amazing uh, to, to hear these stories of life and death like that, the heroes who gave their lives not knowing what God would do with it, but they did what was right. And, and that's you always know, been my grandfather's testimony. I, I just loved that story when you told me that because we had fathers involved in World War II, like I said. But also, it really, to me, underscores the generational nature of God's work. I mean, he promises his blessing on thousands to love who, to, who love and fear him. Thousands. And so I just I want to encourage people that what they're doing in their home matters, not just today, but for generations to come. So when you take a stand for homeschooling and raising your children for Christ, it's not just for today. It's for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, just like you're the great-grandchild of your great-granddaddy and the impact that he's had on your life. And so I think we need to remember that everything we do echoes in eternity. And, yeah. uh, and I, I really appreciate your, your sharing that, Isaac. That story just touched me so much the first time when you shared that with me. Well, listen, I I know you also, I want to get to talking to you about your family and your homeschooling, but I know you also have a ministry with pastors internationally and that you have worked with some pastors in the Ukraine. Can you give us a little bit of an update on that? Yes. Um, so we, we're the American Pastors Network. Um, so obviously <laughs> centered in America um, and our, our focus, you know, started out in trying to actually start out as Pennsylvania Pastors Network. And I was uh, pastoring uh, a church in Pennsylvania at the time, Sam Rohr, who had been a, a minister for the Lord in, in government uh, in the, the State Assembly of Pennsylvania, headed that up with pastors that he had worked with a long time. And uh, and so they started Pennsylvania Pastors Network, and it quickly grew to, you know, now it's all 50 states and a, a national radio and national TV program that I the Lord has allowed me to co-host with. And um, when uh, things were starting to change in Eastern Europe with Russia and Ukraine back in 2013, the Lord opened doors for some pastors and some folks who worked with us to to get into some really neat positions in Ukraine. And so even before the first Crimean invasion, we were on the ground. Sam Rohr, I was able to invite David Barton and other uh, godly historian, historians and theologians to go over and talk to the parliament. Uh, and go into the universities because the the leaders in the Ukraine said, look, we we know that America has been a, a great nation. Uh, we want to be like America historically has been. Maybe not where they are currently. We want to be where they were, yeah, right. you know, right. up to Ronald Reagan is what they were saying. Yes. And yes. so they said, what made America great? And they said, we you know, have had all these generations of communism. Tell us as pastors, 
what the difference is. We need to become biblically literate. And just an amazing opportunity. So through that, we have had a lot of uh, networking going on over there with the most recent invasion uh, from Russia. Uh, We have been able to use pastors on the ground and some Americans staying over there. And then we will often send groups of 10 men with $10,000 each to go over there and buy the supplies that are needed, buy the vehicles that are needed wherever they can in Europe, and then drive them in, meet up with our pastors, Ukrainian pastors, and then those pastors go even to the front lines, distributing medical supplies, food, all sorts of things. So it's exciting. Um, You can go to AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, and you can look at our Ukrainian initiative. And uh, they often um, are sending over fresh videos. We do it where it's safe for those involved. So it might be a few days, a few weeks after an event so that they're not targeted. Uh, but it has continued to go on uh, throughout all the fighting. And they are seeing things firsthand and reporting back to us. We're praying for them. And it's pastors and Christians who know the Lord, who know the truth and aren't afraid to die. that are making a very, very big difference um, as far as you know, foundations over there and helping help people and help them with their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. We have some really close friends, Gerald and Bev Hubner, who have been very involved. They are very involved in a lot of missions worldwide, but also friends from Canada. They're friends from Canada, and they've been very involved in the Ukrainian situation and been there too. So I just, you know, I to me, this just flows in terms of the resistance in Ukraine, the resistance in World War II. And, you know, that we all stand for freedom. And so I I appreciate that update and what you and Stan and others are doing for American pastors, but also around the world. So, Isaac, after after our long introduction, tell me about you and your family and how you got into homeschooling. Um, So I grew up in a Christian school. My parents had homeschooled um, my brothers for just a teeny bit of time when my dad was in evangelism. But my wife grew up, uh, she was adopted from India. She was born in Kolkata, India, adopted to a family in upstate New York. And um, so that they started there. They had three boys and wanted a girl. So they adopted her. And in the early 1980s, then uh, they they felt convicted as parents, even though neither of them had a college education. Uh, my father-in-law was a custodian almost his entire adult life at a local public school. He was the head custodian. And they said, you know, we we should teach our own children. And so um, there were some things that had happened, even in the teachers who they were friends with in the classroom and things. They just thought we could do a better job than they could. And we have a biblical worldview. Um, why not? <laughs> and And in they were starting homeschooling around the same time, probably almost exactly as, as you and your family. The difference is New York as a liberal state was a lot more liberal in view of those sort of things. So they there weren't they weren't breaking the law to do it. Um, however, they didn't have curriculums that you know there was they had to be very creative, as you know, from the early days. Yes, that's um, right. And and not like they had an educational background or something, even though my father in law was in the public schools every day. So yeah, it, it was very interesting. So when when Jill and I got married, it was one of the things we looked at and, and discussed. Well, would this be the right thing for us when we have children? And um, and so when we did have children, uh, we prayed a lot about it. And and our our goal has been every step of the way to continue to evaluate what is best for for us and for our children. God has called me to be a husband and a father, my wife to be a wife and a mother, and those roles come before any other 
role, no matter how high the ministry is, um, that family ministry, there will be no other ministry without that family ministry. And so we, we continue to, on a regular basis, try to evaluate, see what is best. And, uh, and so we started homeschooling with our first child. How old are they now? So um, Levi is our oldest, and he is 13. We started when he was almost four. He was three, almost four, and we started him in K-4, and all the others have followed uh, suit after him. Um, and so, yeah, so it's it's been uh, close to 10 years now then, so yeah, nine that's, and a half that's years. That's amazing. So I want to talk about the benefits of homeschooling in just a minute, but tell me about your role as a dad in your homeschool. How are you involved with the homeschooling process? Um, so my, my background, um, is theological pastoral. I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, I've been involved in church work since I was a young child. And, uh, my training is in, uh, missions, uh, a master's in pastoral studies, a doctorate in theology. So, um, uh, you know, certif- certificates in family therapy and things, but it's all kind of church related. My, my wife had a piano pedagogy major, and so we, we traveled in itinerant ministry and things, and then we've gotten involved in church planting and then church revitalization and then now helping other pastors and churches. And, and so um, we, when, when Levi was going into K-4, we said, uh, well, you know, the BJU Press offered videos, and it was like, okay, it, there's nothing to lose. It's just K-4. We could at least start that, <laughs> right. see where that goes. And at that time, um, w- because with the church planning and church revitalization work, I'm, I'm often what some call a tent maker, bivocational. I, c- I consider it co-vocational because I try to be intentional wherever it is, whether I'm filling potholes or, uh, for the road crew that I've helped on or throwing hay for the farmer that was renting us the farmhouse or working in public schools, which is what I was doing um, even at the time that we started homeschooling. I was teaching work as a behavioral support specialist and a teacher in some of the worst inner city schools of Reading. Pennsylvania, wow. um, as well as some suburbs at times too, um, I said, I, yeah, I think we should homeschool Levi. And, um, and then as, you know, as things continue to progress, I realized I, I need to be involved with it too, not just Jill. And so um, we've tried to curate our environment to make it the easiest for our kids to grow. And I'm not saying we've done it perfectly or that we haven't made any changes or don't have changes to make, but we try to constantly do that balance and it's yes. um it's it's a lot of work but it means i've given up ministry opportunities that looked good on paper or looked good for our financial well-being it means i've given up uh, other job opportunities and and so has jill uh not just one or, or the other we've both said being a stay-at-home parent is what we're called you know we're called to do things as a family and so everything is is a discipleship lesson. Everything is an educational lesson. And so, um, you know, we, we work hand in hand partnering, not only with each other, but with BJU press. Um, and then also we, uh, made the decision to, to move closer to my parent, my in-laws, my wife's parents, and they're able to help. So certain things uh, that they are gifted in, um, they are able to do, it gets us closer to them. And we've, we've really enjoyed that. And seeing our kids really flourish uh, with those connections being family you first. Know, I I know I love how y'all are so general generationally minded in your family, and you've moved back you know close to home to continue that with your grandkids, and that's a, just a powerful statement. So tell me, 
what you think are the benefits of homeschooling? I, um, you know, you could go through and just having worked in several different public schools, um, rural and suburban and a lot of inner city, um, I could, I can compare and contrast, uh, you know, some of the arguments, oh, well, they'll have better equipment and better, you know, they'll have access to all sorts of things at a, a, a big public school. I know that's not the case in many public, there were public schools where I had to bring paper and pencils for the kids and things were just horrible. No supplies at all. No curriculum. Sometimes we had to download stuff off the internet on our own. Um, so that that's not always the case. Where and and obviously with homeschooling, we're using a very good. We get to choose the curriculum. We get to be very involved. There are you know flexibility things, but that's something you know for young parents or for parents, all parents. That those years where your children are school age are going to be difficult, no matter what school they're in, and ultimately. As Christians, all schooling is homeschooling. Even if you send your kids off to somebody else, they are in local parentis. They are taking your place. And when the kids go and come, you are still responsible for your children, not whoever you hired the parenting out to during that time. And I'm not saying that people can't or shouldn't or whatever. Just that's the fact. And so, um, you know, we could make a lot of different practical arguments, logical arguments about, you know, curriculum and, and being able to tailor every student in our house has an, an, an individual education uh, plan, an IEP. They used to call them in the public right, schools. Yeah, like, that's oh, right. You've got to get the parents together and the school teacher together, the principal together. We do that every quarter. We go through and have to turn in our, our uh, plans to the, the state and Jill and I and Jill's parents. And as we talk about it, we talk with the kids. Um, so, you know, I oftentimes, even though I grew up in an excellent education, Christian education, I oftentimes tell my wife, wow, I'm so jealous that our kids get this this one-on-one attention molded exactly to them. But ultimately, it comes down to biblical worldview for us as parents and for our children and that discipleship opportunity. And again, I don't know what the future will hold in the next few years for our kids, but so far, we have felt comfortable keeping them at home where we are able to do so much with them. We are able to not just answer their educational questions, but the other questions about life that come up with it. Um, and, uh, it, it just, it's not easy. Uh, no, it's not always fun. You know, you'd be, you know, uh, yeah. just skipping around parks and smelling flowers or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to do things I don't want to do. The kids have to do things they don't want to do. I wish I could blame it on a teacher or a school administration, but it's you me. Know, isn't that the case? The buck stops with us when hey, we're right, homeschooling yeah. parents. You know, that's right. But, but we get to see our kids develop that way and, and we get to see those issues and then take care of it around the clock, not just for a few hours while they're home and we just see each other coming and going or for a few hours as a teacher. You know, there were so many kids that you wish you could just take them in for a few months and just treat them like your own children when I worked in public schools, but you couldn't. And, uh, and so that's something we get more say in their environment. It's ultimately still their individual responsibility between them and God the decisions they make, but we're able to help create an environment that we believe biblically is best suited for our children. And that's, I guess that's the ultimate uh, benefit of homeschooling. Tell us a little bit, I know that you've been involved in some family businesses that your brother has started and that you have been a part of. Tell us how that's worked out in terms of your kids being involved in that or having chores or those types of things. 
One of the things I really appreciate about my in-laws is that they were very entrepreneurial and their their children have all been very independent as homeschoolers and uh, owning their own contracting businesses and things, not afraid to, to think for themselves and to go out. And And that's something we wanted to cultivate as we homeschooled our children. And so I do praise the Lord for those opportunities. Um, I have a brother who's a professor at Bob Jones University, but he's been just an extremely gifted entrepreneur. And so we, uh, I, I'm self-employed, but I work basically doing things for him. My wife works for him. We get to work with my mom, uh, sometimes cousins and aunts, nieces, you know, di- brought all my brothers at different times at some points. And uh, it's, it, it is really neat to be able to work together on that. As far as our children, they're involved. They've always been involved doing chores. Sometimes we've lived on a farm, and but they've, they've been involved with that. But they've been involved seeing how business, small business works, seeing how America works, how capitalism the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all. But uh, I, I remember um, I, I grew up working on farms um, around my house and uh, taking care of some really nice horses. And I remember hearing that when horses are used to plow, you can take a horse who, say, is capable of pulling a 1,000 pounds and another horse that's capable of pulling a 1,000 pounds. When you put them together, you would expect to be able to, they could pull a load of 2,000 pounds. But the truth is, they say, you know, they can pull 3,000 or 4,000 pounds when they pull together. And so I, that's what I see happening in our home is that my wife is extremely talented and, you know, the Lord has given me, you know, some experiences and, and, and gifts and each of my kids. And if we just go out our own separate ways, just hither, there, there and beyond, we each can do so much for the Lord. But when we come together and work together as a family, um, it, we're able to pull there are things. There's no way I would be able to do the kind of ministry things that I've done just this week. I'm working on three sermons. I've had to prepare all kinds of videos for work and for other ministries, uh, national radio broadcasts, TV things, uh, and take care of all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes while homeschooling and helping different church. It just, this list is just goes on every day. I'm like, oh, wow, that didn't, you know, forgot about, you know, that next hundred things of you know, <laughs> th- on my to-do list. I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. Um, I would ha- I would have to have my wife helping me, but we wouldn't be able to do it just the two of us. We we need our children. It's so helpful. And uh, and her parents are so involved. And my mom and my family, it's, uh, the, the blessings that we have, as you said, already generational, but we, it is uh, definitely familial and generational. And, in, you know, instead of kind of taking this kind of chip on our shoulder with the American, oh, I could do it mentality. I think we need to lean into that, lean into our family, lean into our church family, lean into the community that we have. There are some elderly folks that we know through church that are gifted still, even though they're they're older. Um, so my daughter can learn, you know, how to do quilting and sewing from this godly lady who thinks she has no more, you know, nothing more to do to offer. Or uh, I'm sitting at a really nice wooden desk right now that my son built with my father-in-law at his wood shop. I wouldn't be able to do that. He said, eh, I think I outgrew my desk. A couple of weeks later, he comes home with this huge, beautiful piece of furniture that he made. Those are things I couldn't do with him, but working together with God's people, with family, um, it, it works better together right. and to accept yes. that and to lean into it. You know, one thing I know that we've talked about, and um, I was looking at some of your answers to these questions as we were getting ready to come on the air, um, I know that your kids, that service is important yeah. to you too, being in, involved in giving to others and taking your kids with us. So tell us a little bit about how that works in your home. My Again, my wife and I are just so blessed to have seen that modeled in our parents, that they did that with my brothers and I, with Joe, with her brothers, taking us not just to church, but being involved at church. Uh, my dad was the pastor. 
My father-in-law was the layman who was kind of pastor's right-hand man. Um, and so as kids, both my wife and I, we went to all kinds of hospital visits, nursing homes, sang and talked with people and just, just interacted with adults. Um, you know, my, my wife's brothers and her, you know, oh, they, they're homeschooled. There must be some social awkwardness. No, no, I can tell you social awkwardness from working in public schools. And so we've gotten to see the same thing with our children at church. Uh, traveling to churches and helping minister to pastors and other congregations. Our children are able to, to look adults in the eye and carry on uh, an intelligent conversation. They're able to sing and use their gifts. And, you know, there are some misconceptions about homeschoolers. Some people, you know, it's almost like some people have misconceptions. Oh, if somebody's autistic, they're some genius, you know, like the Rain Man or something. And that's not always the case. If you homeschool your children, they're going to be some kind of musical protege. I have met some homeschoolers who are musical protégés. Amazing. My kids spend hours every week on their musical instruments, but they're not musical pro. They're not music geniuses or anything, but they use their gifts for the Lord and they're able to bless people with that. And so just, you know, every, just about every day we, we huddle around the piano as my wife plays, all the kids can play some. And sometimes we break out the violin and the guitars and the lap drum and things. And, but we sing, we, we worship together uh, regularly. And then we get to share what we're doing at home with our church or churches that we're helping and uh, and to see that our kids get that, to see it click, that they are ministering, they are worshiping God and helping others worship God, even though they are 8, 11, 13 years old, even younger than that, they were doing that, um, is a beautiful thing to, to watch as a parent, as a father, to see that happening. Um, it, it's so exciting. You know, you have given us such a well-rounded view of what homeschooling can look like for a family that's involved in so much together. So as we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to share with maybe the dads that are in our audience? I know that a lot of times it will be the mom, not always, but it will be the mom who wants to homeschool and the dad may have some misgivings or is worried about are their kids is are their kids going to be prepared for life or career or college or yeah. whatever. So do you have any words of encouragement you would like to share as we wrap up? That, that's a great point. As a, as a pastor, I often saw things like that. And unfortunately, oftentimes as a pastor working with families, you would find that the wife was more concerned about the spiritual development of their home than the husband. And I'm not saying that all the time, but right. that happens a lot of times. And I, I think that sometimes if we're not careful, we're just looking at what our best educational options are. We're not looking at what is the best discipleship option for our children in regards to how they're brought up. And I think homeschooling, as you know, goes so far beyond just the, the school books and the quote-unquote classroom. And so if there are any fathers who, as a spiritual leader in your family, you are considering this and you say, well, but that would take a lot of finances off of our table. You know, if, if my wife stops working to do this or if I stay home, to help with this, I would have to get a new job, different job. Um, there, no matter what decision you make of a, a parent with school-age children, it is scary. Uh, it, 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 it is frightening to think that what if, what if, you know. Um, and when COVID came, I think a lot of people went through what my wife and I were walking through a few years before COVID, where we said, you know what, let's just do this. Let's do it until we could hit a brick wall. And we realized right. it's not as scary as we thought, staying home, working from home. And in fact, now it's much easier to work from being based out of home instead of an office. 
Um, and I would just say, pray about it and ask God, what is most important for my children? The paycheck that I'm bringing home by leaving the house, going to somebody else's work. Um, you know, throughout most of human history, you know, Jesus grew up in his father's carpenter shop, very likely. It was probably very likely that whole family was known as there's the carpenter shop. And even through the founding of our nation, uh, you have people who were farmers and have that last name sometimes, or a smith, a blacksmith. And the whole family worked on that. And the, the mom passed down her knowledge to the, the girls oftentimes. And the boys learned from their dad or other family members. And and there are some really neat advantages to that. And I would just say pray and ask God what is most important and then ask him to open doors for you to make steps towards that. It does. It's not something that maybe will happen overnight, but just pray for the Lord to lead for what is most important for your children and trust the Lord then that when you obey him in those areas, whatever that looks like for you, that he will open up the right door at the right time for you. That's right. And well, thank you so much, Isaac. And I just want to say, too, as you're considering homeschooling, that there are all kinds of different ways to do it. You know, there still will be um, husbands in the workforce, but still can modify their schedules or be at home more. Or you know, just like my husband was on the road a lot. Of course, this was the days before the Internet. And um, and but he was still very, very involved in the kids lives. So as Isaac said, just, you know, pray about it. Find other homeschool families that you admire. Uh, try to see how they do things. And it really is a remarkable way to homeschool your kids. So Isaac, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing all your stories. You were just such a wealth of information and encouragement. And I just love your stories. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for, for listening to him. Thanks for having me on and, and for the partnership we've had with with you and all that your experiences and work you've done to, to help this generation of homeschool parents. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, see you later. 